Good morning. Welcome to Talk BK. We're your hosts, Joanna Purvich and Megan Duffy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning Kind. at 6.30 at night. It gets so dark so early now. Yeah. Uh, it's the That's same darkness now as it was at 6.30 this morning when I got up. Oh my god, I hate that. But at least we're not going to work anymore. The one thing that would always really get me down was when I'd walk to the subway in the dark in the morning and then leave the office in the dark at night. And I'm well, like, I, guess I saw sun for 10 minutes today on my way to just salad. Right. I uh, am a late arriver at the office generally. I'm a 10 a.m. arriver. So my commute in the morning always has a little daylight in it yeah but i'm underground for 45 minutes so i guess that doesn't really count (laughs) it is funny because um so this is my first winter really that i've spent almost entirely in the south Mm -hmm. in many years and i'm just like oh it really doesn't get as dark here because i'm in texas right now and will be until mid-january and uh yeah it's kind of funny um Except that spending the summer here has ruined me because my body has now adjusted to the heat and humidity. So it was like 60 today and I was freezing. So I'm wearing a very fluffy sweater. Wow. I'd kill for 60. I know. Well, this time last year, I would have been ashamed of myself to have admitted that. But COVID does weird things to people. I don't know. You are a Southern girl at heart, my friend. It's okay. It's Um, all right. I am a Minnesotan, therefore, I will be eating out. If someone is offering outside seating in January, I will be there in my shearling coat. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I can be really stubborn. I can really stare down that cold weather. Oh, I know. I know you can be a mule just like me. We're a couple of mules together. I'd be like, come on, Joe, come have some red wine with me or hot toddies. I get really um, indignant about how horrible the weather is sometimes (laughs) well i have to tell you if you're sitting at a table under a blanket properly dressed and it's a beautiful sunny day in the winter with you know low winds it can be a really pleasant experience yeah i remember when i lived in new mexico it would be sometimes you'd get these snowstorms while the sun is shining oh that's minnesota yeah yeah it's very strange and it's like as long as the sun's on you, it's really not that bad because the air would be so dry. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you walk through a patch of shade and, like, the temperature, like, drops 10 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, although, uh, one of my coworkers is in Minnesota right now. And uh, Ooh, poor it's quite cold up there right now. Uh, yeah, it's only November. It's only going to get worse. One of the reasons people laughed at me when I'm like, I'm moving to New York for better weather. They laughed at me and I'm like, really? No, it's true. Maybe we have four to five weeks of quote unquote winter here. Um, We rarely drop below freezing during the day. Like it's it's more humid, I think. Yeah, but that's okay. It makes it. Anyway, um, 
Yeah. This is the this is the perpetual argument my sister and I have for years. She prefers dry cold at 30 below and I prefer humid at 40. It's fine. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um I had some pretty wild Christmases in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh and I mean we we're not getting we have like a bit of a buffer <laughs> between Des Moines and Canada. Uh but I remember one yeah, year it's it was, called Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a day or two before Christmas and it had snowed um three feet. Yep. And I was in elementary school and I just opened the front door of my grandma's house and the snow was packed against the door taller than I was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like normal Christmas weather. Um it was back in the day. I don't know yeah. what happens anymore. Now it's just global warming. Yeah. Craziness. Um, and then, but we have a lake house in northern Iowa. My uncle had to hire somebody to scrape the snow off the roof so that it wouldn't collapse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh boy. We used, my mom used to get really mad at us um, when we were kids. We were back, this is back in the 70s. And we would, and that's when we would seriously get like, you know, winter weather, we would probably have at least two feet of snow in our front yard, right? And you just sort of shovel the walk, a tiny path. And we would go out and make snow forts and we would take all of the kitchen utensils, like the mixing bowls and the spoons and shit. And then we just leave them there in the snow. <laughs> and better mom, it doesn't snow over it. You'll never find it again. <laughs> well, yeah, when it melts, there's like a whole dead army of kitchen utensils laying in our front yard every year. That's what so happened at my house. Oh, my God. I think the best thing that ever happened was was that my dad had accidentally knocked over my grandma's mailbox. Because it would snow so much that you can't see yeah. driveway. Yeah. Yep. And so he accidentally drove through the grass on the wrong side of the mailbox and clipped it. <laughs> but there was so much snow that it didn't fall over. So then several months later, my grandma texted or called my mom or whatever, and it had melted and her her mailbox fell over. That's so funny. It's a, it's a beautiful winter delayed reaction. <laughs> She's so like, good. what did you do? <laughs> but, um, sorry, this we're getting off into derailed. Like, yeah, so before we came on air... We were just talking about how burnt out we were from the news. Yeah, the post-election hangover was our last episode. That's what I called it. Um, and I'm glad it's over. And I'm not as nail-bitey, not as anxious. I'm not as stressed out. I'm not watching the news as much as I was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, doing static, static statistics see this is where i'm at i'm just and worrying about steve karnacki like i had all kinds of things going on i'm still a little it's gonna take me i don't think i'm gonna feel like calm until january (laughs) election you mean inauguration day not only inauguration day but just like going back up to new york and like recalibrating from the mess that was 2020 yeah it's weird leaving your house. I got to tell you, it's really just strange leaving your house. I don't yeah. go. Yeah, I'll go. I'd probably go to the slope this weekend, but 
I don't leave the house very. I don't leave my neighborhood very often. Yeah. Um, that's good. No, it's good. It's good. But I do need, like, human contact. Like, yeah. I want to go sit outside and have a drink with my friend. I'll take a car there. I'll take a car back. You know, sign the COVID. She always makes me sign the COVID slip. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Do they do know. that? Yeah, little bars and restaurants on the slope make you fill out the your email address and cell phone number. So if if there was a COVID something happening there, they, it's called contact tracing. I was talking to my therapist this morning about COVID protocol because, um, for better or worse, my family is going to Florida for Thanksgiving, which is our usual trend, which is our usual tradition. Um, it's particularly important to us this year because this is the first year without my uncle. And um, it's like beach time is nice. What is less nice is the staying in the hotel on the drive to Florida. And um, my mom has a friend who's not super careful. So I was like talking to my therapist about some of my stress around the holidays and she told me that her daughter's school in New Jersey was still closed for March. And I'm like, I feel like I'm in a weird parallel universe being south of the Mason-Dixon line. Honey, that's not just south. I have a certain uh, sibling that behaves the not so carefully, too. And uh, considering that the numbers in Minnesota are sky high, my mom canceled Thanksgiving. So it's oh. not just south of the Mason Dixon. There's a lot of people in the Midwest. There's a lot of people here in upstate New York that don't think it's a thing. There's a lot of people that don't think it's a thing. It's not just the south. It's definitely a thing. <laughs> and uh, my there heart are people, there are people, Midwest. There are people literally, I, I read I had I read like a headline in the synopsis today. It said people are dying from COVID and they still don't think it's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Which, like, what? <laughs> well, I think at that point it's probably also denial. But also, like, I don't... I don't know. It's like I'll talk to people who are like, well, they're not dying of COVID. They're dying of pneumonia or they're dying of this or that. I'm like, yeah, and AIDS doesn't kill you. It's the everything else. Yeah. It's like that's that's like how viruses work is that typically viruses lead to complications. Mm -hmm. But but you're not going to get the complication if you don't have the virus. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm all, uh, you know, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. But I also... I've I've survived way too fucking much in this town to come, to be taken down by something I can't even see. Yeah. Um. So. Mm-hmm. Our Thanksgiving episode should be pretty fun. We're going to be talking about what got us into true crime. Yes, I think I have to switch mine because there's not a lot about it. I texted yeah. it to you the other night, and mm-hmm. I just. Well, you can at least maybe mention it a little bit at the beginning because it's a really compelling. I will mention it, but um, there's another one. Yeah. There's another one. Yeah. So, teaser for next week. Um, before we jump into this episode any further, do you want to read our announcement? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, I guess we don't have to. But... Nope. I got it. I got it. 
I completely forgot it last week and I left it at the end because that's who I am as an editor. Um, one second. <sighs> what am I looking for here? Groups. Announcements. Nope, not announcements. Well, in the meantime, um, on air reads. There it is. <laughs> I was about to be like, I will entertain you with, <laughs> and I realized beep, that beep, my beep, brain beep, 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 beep. Okay. <laughs> you slash. Ah. Uh, okay. So, um, Radio Free Brooklyn is brought to you by City Running Tours. It uh, City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours as a way to discover the history of New York neighborhoods while on a run. I don't know why you would do that, but oh, <laughs> own. Like, one's terrible. It sounds awful. But I love them. They're great. They're supporting our station and our show. Choose from 23 different tours of neighborhoods in Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. Uh, they're offered seven days a week. And um, their website is cityrunningtours.com slash New York City to see their schedule and book a tour. So go ahead and do that. Please, please support them. We love them. I don't run, but... For those of you listeners who do, or maybe trying to get into a new hobby before we go into another lockdown. They have New Year's resolutions coming yeah, up. Yeah, right? They've got some interesting tours in East Village, Bushwick, Long Island City, Roosevelt Island. Do you know what the one in Bushwick is, or does it just say Bushwick? It just says Bushwick. Um, and the Upper West Side. Um, historical tours. Diversity tours, blah, blah, blah. It sounds, I mean, like, if it was a walking tour, I would totally do it. How do you think they define running? Like, do you think that if I just, like, walked quickly and, like, puffed a lot? I think it sounds like they run to the destination and then they stop and they do a thing. Because it can't be, like, running past with a bullhorn and a... And like, like gym coach football trainer style yeah hut, hut, hut. and then you've got like your museum headphones on and it's giving you the information uh yeah it doesn't make it thinking we've neither of us we have not done this so please don't take what we're saying as fact but um i always kind of imagine it as like a podcast where it's like, I don't know, you like hit next when you get to something and then it tells you about the next location. But I think it probably is actually in person. Yeah, it's definitely in person. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I would definitely do it. I love all the historical stuff. But um, I don't run. <laughs> so this one's out for me. Anyway, yep. City Running Tours. CityRunningTours.com slash New York City. Take a look. Thanks. Cool. Okay. Onward. Yeah, so um, you have some updates. I have some updates. Uh, first big update is the pre-trial work that's going on in Derek Chauvin's trial. He mm -hmm. is the one that killed, for those of you who have been, I don't know, 
not paying attention, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, Derek Chauvin is the Minneapolis police officer that killed George Floyd by kneeling on his neck in twenty in September. Um, inter- interesting stuff here. So prosecutors want to show jurors a video of a 2017 arrest in which they say the former Minneapolis police officer Chauvin jammed his knee into the back of a 14-year-old boy for several minutes while ignoring his pleas that he couldn't breathe. Yep. In a memo filed late Monday in Hennepin County District Court, uh, Attorney General Matthew Frank said the body camera footage showed that when faced with the suspect who does not immediately comply with his demands, Chauvin intentionally uses a level of unreasonable force to accomplish subdual and restraint, countering the defense claim that Chauvin used reasonable force on George Floyd. Yeah, they're still using reasonable force. Uh, yeah, his uh, uh, Chauvin's attorney, Eric Nelson, says that the uh, the incident cited was in keeping with the department's then policy on dealing with uncooperative suspects at the time. Um, let's see. Similar states, blah, 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 criminal incidents. Hennepin County District Judge Peter Cahill has yet to rule on the motion um, or other motions citing other alleged bad acts known as the Spriegel evidence, which is prior bad acts to to demonstrate a pattern of behavior mm-hmm. yeah, um, against Chauvin and his three co-defendants, Thou, Thomas Slane, and Alexander King. Um, this memo is a follow-up to an earlier filing that mentions the incident with the boy, which was based on a written report filed by Chauvin and other officers of the scene. Um, all right, so in earlier filings, <clears throat> prosecutors sought to introduce evidence for seven prior incidents involving Chauvin, which I mentioned that um, to show the excessive force pattern. One of the incidents also involved two of his co-defendants currently in the Floyd prosecution. Um, and then nine others involved one of his co-defendants. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Chauvin is a 19-year department veteran, and everybody was fucking fired after they killed George Floyd. They're facing second-degree unintentional murder and manslaughter charges. Um, And the other former officers stand charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and manslaughter. Um, Let's see. Footage from the incident in question. Okay, so let's talk about the 2017 incident. So, uh, the defense is saying that this teenager was 6'2 and 240 pounds, this Mm -hmm. 14-year-old, which, I mean, it's not out of the realm, but... um, So, a mother said she was assaulted by her son and daughter, who were both minors, and so she called the cops on them, and the officers found her son laying on the floor in the back of the house on his phone, and Chauvin ordered him to get up off the floor, and when he refused, Chauvin grabbed him without saying anything, struck the teen in the head with his flashlight, and then grabbed him by the throat before hitting him again with the flashlight. All occurred less than a minute. And all caught on body cam footage. 
Oh my god. Yeah. That is the, Oh my god. After uh, after the teen had been hit in the head a couple of times, he ended up on the floor again. Yeah. Chauvin applied the neck restraint to the boy who briefly went unconscious and then placed him in the prone position with a knee in his back for about 17 minutes until paramedics arrived. Uh, didn't need paramedics before that. Nope. Chauvin held him in this position even after the child told him he was in pain and couldn't breathe and after the mother tried to intervene. What's wrong with this cop? At one point, the boy started bleeding from his ear. Oh, my God. And he later, and he told that to the paramedics, and he had complained that his neck hurt really badly, so they had to roll him over, and that it hurt worse, and Chauvin was complaining if the boy was going to be flopping around all night. Um, Chauvin's report from the incident suggests that the boy displayed active resistance. Right. Well, who's not going to actively resist under he, that situation? He didn't, he didn't actively resist. He was laying on the floor, and you told him to get up. He said no, and you beat the shit out of him. Yeah. You pulled him off the floor. But it's like, there's like so many situations where cops are like, well, I tried to arrest this person, and they started to struggle. And I'm like, anyone's going to struggle if they're in pain. Like, literally, that is like what our reptile brain causes us to do. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no person who's going to be able to stay calm when they're being hit in the head with a flashlight. (laughs) Yeah. So he, uh, in Chauvin's, further in his report, he said that the boy escalated his efforts to not be arrested and because of the male's large size, delivered a few strikes to him to impact his shoulders and hopefully allow control to be obtained. That is not what the body camera footage shows. So he lied in his report. Um, As in patterns, uh, Chauvin has been demonstrated to escalate the use of force for relatively minor offenses, just like with Floyd when the child was slow to comply. Uh, he grabbed the kid by the throat, forced him to the ground in the prone position, and placed his knee on the child's neck with so much force that uh, he began to cry in pain and say he couldn't breathe. Is the kid at least is is did he recover from the injuries or? He's it, there's no there's no I tried to look there's no information on that I imagine that he did. Uh, I didn't even see like a. A lawsuit filed by the family for brutality so i don't know um now we all know that uh the four all four officers will be tried together um and they have recently rejected a change of venue motion arguing that the officers couldn't receive a fair trial in hennepin county the judge says <laughs> uh there is no way that any corner of the state of Minnesota has been shielded to the coverage of Floyd's death. Yeah. So, um, so there's that. There's a, a number of other motions have been filed that are pending. I will keep everybody updated. The prosecutor wants to, and I'm totally fucking down with this. Uh, he wants the upcoming trial to be recorded and live streamed. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, we don't get where we are today in terms of the amount of police brutality without 
a long history of this really being like <laughs> entrenched in these police departments. I know. I mean, look, back in the day, it was taught. It was standard. They've slowly been, I don't know, trying to change. And there's a community policing thing. But there are a lot of guys that join the police force just to be a dick. Yeah. Sounds like Chauvin's one of them. So, uh, for anybody listening who is wondering, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And that's not a political statement. Just telling you. They do. Oh, my God. Ugh. Um, Well, I mean, at least it sounds like the prosecutor and the judge are, like, not about this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hi, honey. You're not helping. Um, Well, I have a piece of news uh, that is police reform related. That's good. Yeah. And uh, scrolling down my document. Uh, So uh, Mayor de Blasio has uh, basically proposed this reform for uh, calls that are specifically uh, like 911 calls that are directed towards mental health crises, um, which, um, again, really feeds into um, like reforming the police, cutting down on police brutality. Um, A lot of the victims of police brutality um, have some sort of like disability or psychiatric issue and I mean, they're if you're like in psychosis, you're not going to be the most compliant. And unfortunately, police have shown time and time again that they are unable to um, appropriately handle those situations. Well, they're ill-trained, right? Yeah, I mean, they're completely ill-trained. And but it's like even when they try to improve the training, it's just. They're not the right people for that call. And I mean, it's okay if they're not the right people for that call, but that means that you need to get the right people you, yeah, exactly. there. <laughs> yep. You need to find the right people for the call. Yeah. And so that's what de Blasio is trying to do. Um, so he um, announced a pilot program last week uh, that's aimed at replacing with the NYPD uh, with teams of mental health experts and EMS staff to answer calls related to mental health crises, like on 911. And um, let me see, uh, like Oregon has this. They have like a little um, like ambulance team specifically for um, mental health crises who can go out and do these calls. And it's called, I think, Cahoots. There's a few other states. So, I mean, like this definitely works. Yeah. And I think it's a move in the right direction. Um, so at least right now, how it works is, um, for the past five years, the NYPD has done crisis intervention training for officers. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think it was like three days worth of training. And, um, it's supposed to really dive into, um, how police should um, interact with these calls. Sorry, it is four days worth of training. Quick question. Um, 
Yeah. Is it is it a one-time training or do you have to keep updating your training? I don't know. Um, I, I, I think it is a one-time potentially because it was done at the police academy. So I'm assuming that this is, at least my impression is it was done at the police academy. So I think it's like when you're like a baby police officer. Um, and um, people like thought it would be great. They had licensed mental health professionals come and teach the police different you know ways of handling these calls uh let me tell you something it's not working in the five years since they started that program 15 people were killed by police uh during mental health calls um 11 of those victims were fatally shot um the dead ranged in age from 31 to 60 to 67 nine occurred in the bronx and um yeah so reading between the lines yeah. god you know and so it's just kind of like clearly we cannot have police trying to handle these calls you know these deaths were avoidable and uh so you know like people in the mental health field and um, advocates are excited about de Blasio's proposal, although um, they're hoping that, you know, it'll go further um, because right now it's just going to be a pilot program in um, a handful of, quote, high needs neighborhoods. Uh, officials have not released which neighborhoods those actually are. Mm -hmm. Um and they're also hoping for um, a specific phone line that you can call for mental health crises so that you're not even being filtered through the same batch of calls. And it will be like even more uh, differentiated from anything you actually need a cop. Like 911. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, attorneys have to keep doing training throughout their career. Doctors have to do training throughout their year. I would like to see cops that have to, or at least, you know, something to, when they get to that call, they know how to, to see that they're not going to be helpful and to call in the right people. Yeah, that'd be great too, because for sure there's going to be some, like, wires crossed. Yeah. Beulah, would you stop? You know. Um, so I think they definitely need some training, at least on that front. But, um... I don't know. I mean, like, you know, Mrs. Mayor, Sherlyn McRae, has been trying to work on mental health through his tenure. She hasn't done a very good job of it. I think it's really hard, though, to ascribe programs to eight and a half million people. And especially since mental health issues are so nuanced. Yeah, they are nuanced. And there's a lot of bureaucratic bullshit and red tape that goes on in this town. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm hopeful to see how this program goes. All right. Um, and then you had a second. I do. I have a, another big update on um, the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, so the judge has denied bond to the father and son charged with killing Ahmad Arbery. He's also denied bond to that third dude, William Bryan, who took the video. And just to recap, Ahmad Arbery was killed while jogging. Yep, I was just going to get to that. It's in my notes. Cool. 
Yep. Okay. So Arbery, 25 year old black man, was out jogging in a residential neighborhood um, near Brunswick, Georgia, on February 23rd. The McMichaels uh, were in a truck. They had cut him off, thinking that he was suspected of stealing from uh, houses that were currently being built. They had armed themselves and chased Arbery down. uh, And then the third dude, William Bryan, also in a truck, pulled out his phone to take video. And uh, uh, Travis McMichael shot Arbery in the chest twice. and And then a third time... It doesn't say where he was shot. He was shot three times, though, twice in the chest with a, with a shotgun. Um, okay. So, also, the killing received little attention until the New York Times published an article about it and the video that was leaked. Um, so, the men weren't actually arrested for this until 10 weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that 10 weeks time, uh, the McMichaels, also I'd like to like to remind everybody that Mr. The senior Gregory McMichael is a former prosecutorial investigator and retired Glynn County police officer. Uh, so they called all their contacts right after this happened. Nothing happened really. Two district attorneys recused themselves. Local investigation produced no charges. Smells of corruption with a two-month delay. Um, The judge in this particular case um, was a little annoyed because it was almost like a mini-trial. But because of the high profile... Seriously, Beulah, stop. Um, Your cat just wants to say hello. I know. She just wants to be part of the show. Um. So that they run it, they were running this sort of as a mini trial, but because of such, it's a, such a high profile case, and it's a, and it's a bond hearing, right? You have to understand the nuances of what actually happened out there on the street. So, uh, M- uh, Greg McMichael's and his son Travis are facing malice murder and felony murder charges. William Bryan is facing accessory to both. Um. And there's a lot of evidence going back and forth. They brought witnesses in about Travis McMichael's post-incident text messages that were heavily racially slanted using anti-black slurs and stereotypes. Um, The judge says he has significant concerns about Travis McMichael's bias and was worried uh, that they were both willing to put the law into their own hands and influence the investigation. Um, they, should, the prosecutor deny, um, argued that they should be denied the opportunity, denied the opportunity for bond because the killing showed they posed a danger to others. I mean, there's just like, like a bunch of vigilantes fucking roaming around in a truck with their other buddy in another truck. Um, they played recordings of, uh, phone calls in which men, these men had suggested that a woman delete her Facebook account and a man not talk to investigators. Wow. Um, so, so they're 
there's rumblings that they could be brought up on obstruction of justice charges, tampering with witnesses. Um, I wonder how much that guy got away with when he was working in law enforcement. I know, or at least his kid, right? Yeah. His kid is the one going around talking about anti-black sentiments. Uh, lawyers for the McMichaels argue in court upstanding citizens that were no real risk that they were trying to flee before. Both lawyers sought to paint Mr. Arbery as a repeat burglar for whom the father, son, and other residents were just trying to protect themselves from. Uh, meanwhile, Mrs. Arbery is in the courtroom watching this whole thing. Um, yeah, so He's a, you know, he's a black guy, out of place, burglar, thief, and we're vigilantes defending ourselves and our properties. That's the line in old, good old Georgia. But they were all denied bond. They're all st stuck in fucking jail. Just want to make that horrible. quite clear. Yes. So I will be keeping an eye on this, too. Um, they also did a motion for venue doesn't look like that's going to happen for them because again everybody knew about arbory once uh it hit national news once it hit the new york times yeah um mm -hmm. so that's that uh you can imagine his mother is distraught and she made some statements which i will pull and i didn't get a chance to read them all i mean I just, I can't hard. imagine. Yeah, it'd be heart-wrenching. Yeah. Oh, by the way, also, um, uh, Greg McMichael, I forgot, I totally forgot this, and I had it highlighted. Greg McMichael, the father, had made, right after the incident, called to Jackie Johnson, the local district attorney whose office he had worked in shortly after the shooting. Miss Johnson was voted out last week. <laughs> just letting you know that. There you go. Bye, girl. Bye. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Um, the wheels of justice move slowly, but it seems that... Uh, it seems that this particular... Like, they don't... They should not be out on the street. No, absolutely not. Mm-mm. Um, I can't believe that they thought it was okay to do that. Uh, well, they're Trump supporters, and they're, you know, white men. And see a jo guy jogging through a neighborhood that have been reported burglars. So, black guy in that neighborhood, he must be the burglar. It's broad daylight. He must be the burglar. Must be. I hope everybody sees the flawed logic there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, yeah. Yeah. Awful. Mm. Two, uh, apparently, you know, one side is they're valuable, uh, contributing members of society and, and it's just, I mean, it's just, it's so it's just the same old fucking trope. Like, come on. Yeah. 
It just makes me so fucking angry. We have not progressed nearly as far as people say. Nope. <laughs> and things like this can still happen. Well, I mean, the the I think the I think the least surprising thing is that it happened in Georgia. Yeah, but I mean, not to say that like, look, Georgia turned blue. There's a lot of progressive people down there, but there's a, I mean, like. That's where all of the uh, slavery and anti-racist sentiments began. It all started down there in the first place. Like, it's it's more homegrown there than it is anywhere else in the United States, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess it just, it's like, you know, I mean, Georgia was important in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And we've had some, like, really, like, wonderful black leaders come out Georgia, of the Georgia, everybody, everybody in Georgia fighting for civil rights and, and wanting we all have rights or none of us have rights kind of ideas. It's all very important. There are people that want to drag us back into the fucking dark ages. Yeah. And live, uh, they, they ride on their feet on their their they live with their fear on their sleeve and it's like oh i get to i get to act like an asshole to these people because well but who i mean like what and then they call their racist i mean because i'm a racist and then i call my uh da and cop friends and be like oh this is what happened and nothing happens yeah don't tell me that there's no fucking institutional racism when these guys did this yeah and i think it's also important to mention i know we're not trying to talk about the election that much this episode but that these problems are not going to magically go away with a democratic president nope and that you know like if you are marching over the summer you need to continue (laughs) you need to continue to march and to still be mad right for just be mad you need to be mad and you need sign up for go to fairfight.org. Look at what Stacey Abrams is doing. We need those Senate seats in Georgia. Do it, do it, do it next time. Not today. I love you all, but we need election relief this episode, but it's important. So do it. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> are you on to, um, do you want me to very clumsily segue into a uh, some silly? Yeah, because I friend? all I have all I have left is a very uplifting piece of news. It's very short, but it's so good. Okay, it will make so, us very happy. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you a very like silly dumb thing that the NYPD did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So um. And NYPD pilot is uh, answering charges that he flew um, a small airplane, a Cessna, owned by the police department. Why they own a plane is a whole other story. Um, in the shape of a giant penis. Oh, my God. It's so good. The flight it's... path is just okay. like... It's so good. It's like Trump's Sharpie. It's like, come on. Um, 
All right, so Police Officer Darren DeRono for the NYPD Cessna in 2017. Um, the flight path was in uh, a very phallic shape. And um, so... I mean, okay. <laughs> it, I mean, it could, they could all be. Like, why is this? why is this news? I'm enjoying it immensely, but like... Why didn't this no, happen I just sooner? I think that the Daily News reporter was like looking at the roster of uh, court Low cases day? involving NYPD, and he's like, "I oh, yes, this one. This one. This is the one." <laughs> um, but I kind of love. I kind of love it. Um, so apparently, sells. the prosecutor at the hearing was having trouble talking with a straight face. I mean, because you can't yeah. really describe it, and it's, it's um, so that same pilot has also been accused of flying the plane in a path of an outline of the United States, which I'm actually kind of impressed by because I don't even think I could draw an outline of mainland U.S., let alone draw it with a plane. Um, So he just gets up there and he wants to play Etch-A-Sketch and it's his plane, I guess. Like, I do what I want. Let's see. So what is he flying the plane floor for? Okay, so why does the NYPD have a plane? They purchased the $4 million surveillance plane in 2017 to check uh, container ships off the coast of the city for, like, potential hazardous substances or radiation that could be used in, like, a terrorist attack type of thing. Makes sense. Um, I'm not entirely sure what he was supposed to be doing uh, during these Etch-A-Sketch flights, but it was certainly not drawing a giant dick. Um, I don't also... know. Maybe, maybe the look. I I drive by the Belt Parkway all the time, and um, those ships in the harbor. Maybe they were shaped like a dick that day. Maybe just following the. Yeah, I mean, you know. So he was also accused of making <laughs> improper entries in a flight log and not conducting flight surveys. So. Not only is he doing this, but he's also, like, not even doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's completely fucking off. Yeah, he just doesn't care. Um, It's unclear what, quote, improper entries mean, but I'd like to think that it was um, a series of dick puns. I I was just going to say, you and I love a good... That is a dick pun. I'm going to go so, with it. That's just where my mind went. Uh, uh, we were talking about the Statue of Liberty here. Yeah. With the dick, like, sitting next to her. I don't know. This is the raunchiest we've ever gotten, and I'll, I promise I'll never go there again. But yeah, he brought it. This is our, like, 11 a.m. weekend breakfast crime show. Yeah. <laughs> Bra- brunch starts at 11. Pour your drinks, everybody. And uh, block off your children's ears. I'm sorry. They're drawing it on the chalkboard. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're not. We're not where they're getting their shit from. Like, have you seen the internet lately? Come on. Yeah. True. True. <clears throat> so anyway, um, <laughs> I just it brought me joy. Uh, I'm sure the Daily News will cover this closely. <laughs> I I will keep my eye out. Uh, I looked at too many Daily News articles, so I am cut off until December first. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So what's your uplifting news? Okay. So New York City just got 
their first LGBTQ plus owned and run housing complex in Queens on Friday the 13th. Yay. Yay. Can you say more about what that is? Okay, yes. I'm going to. <laughs> I have it in my notes. Um, so this organization called uh, Gay and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society, or GLITS, G-L-I-T-S, uh, who doesn't love a little guts, um, founded by, I want to say Cyan, could be Cheyenne, but Cyan Doroshaw, a trans woman who is founder, executive director, um, bought the complex, which has 11 apartments spanning three floors in Queens, Woodhaven neighborhood. She's been working on this for 30 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the building's basement is going to be converted into an educational and learning center because she believes that the key to and the base to everything in your world is education. Um, quote for a quote from her, each apartment will have and be created and painted and styled by designer and interior designer. The pa- apartments will be painted by volunteers. The art and everything has been donated. The furniture were, was donated from Disney hotels. This is all an act of love. The mission of Glitz has always been to help people internationally, especially her own LGBTQ community. Um, she specifically focuses on pe- uh, uh, trans people in third world countries who need help with asylum. There are a number of people that have, uh, and she's been working in this in, in, in this realm for 30 years, but the, the housing project, uh, her and her friends came up with it and they saved money and they got donations and they built it and it's there now. What, what is this? I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> I was just looking it up and um, there is a commercial playing on one of the pages. Yep. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm really fucking happy that this is happening. Um, I looked up their website. It's a little backdated, but you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, um, if you have questions or how to donate, um, just I look was them just up about again. to ask, can we like, can I don't we... have any, cause I didn't, I was looking this up right before we jumped on and some of the web pages were, uh, older dated. Maybe that's because nothing had happened yet, but, um, uh, I, you can find them on Instagram and you can find her. You can find Glitz on Instagram and you can find Glitz on Facebook and you can and Google it G-L-I-T-S dot org and it will lead you to some other information. And I'm sure you can there's a there is a contact page where you can email them and say, how do I donate? Is this page still good or is there another way? But this makes me so goddamn happy. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And also, um, you know, there's like disproportionate rates of homelessness amongst the queer community especially the trans community uh, especially and, um, trans community of color yeah and so this is really great and i'm really glad that mm-hmm. she's been able to hang in there for so many years i don't think that there's very many people who would be able to like fight that long and that hard and 
you know, at the end of it, have this beautiful project. So I know. I'm happy. Makes me really happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like a hard thing to um to to beat. Yeah, that was very heartwarming. I wanted that's why I wanted to save it to the end because of all the nasty shit we were talking about in the beginning and the hard weeks that we've all had. People are still out there fighting the good fight and dreams, good positive dreams can come true if you stay focused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes me happy. Um, well, I have a few fun facts. Give me some fun facts. Oh, it's right. It's your birthday tomorrow. It it's is your my birthday, birthday tomorrow, the 18th. And um, yes, I'm very excited because this will be my first birthday where I'm celebrating it with both my partner and my parents. Mm. That is if Ash is able to make it safely from Beaumont to, to Houston. Which I'm sure he will. He's a he's good driver. Fine. He's fine. Um, I'm a very bad driver, so I worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm a shitty driver. No night driving for me through the backwoods. I went to the eye doctor yesterday because um, I was complaining about my night vision. And she's just like, I don't know what to tell you. People have crappy night vision. We're not cats. And I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so I went on to um, the like on this day website, you know, mm-hmm. for tomorrow, and I found some interesting things that have happened on my birthday in the past. Okay, and uh, I picked a few fun ones. Okay, and uh, my favorite is is that in eighteen twenty. Antarctica was sighted by the first American. Okay, you mean it was discovered or sighted? Uh, no, it had already been discovered by other people. The British. And also, I mean, like, I am, like, skeptical of when anyone says they discovered an entire continent. Um, but no, like, the first American explorer saw it with okay. his own eyes in terms of for the United States. No, and, yep, totally uh, no. That's exciting. His name was U.S. Navy Captain Nathaniel B. Palmer. And um, he was the first American to see Antarctica. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, He was um, a pretty renowned seal hunter. And he was there looking for seal rookeries at the time. He was also 22, which I'm really impressed by because he's like a captain. It's 1820. That's middle age. I don't it, know. It's true. They live, you live to like 45 in 1820. 40 in the 1800s. Yeah, if you were a like sea dude, yeah, you. Yeah, no. Um, also, I do agree with you on the discovery of continents because people were here before. Just so we're clear on that. Um. Yeah, and then also, uh, guess how big his ship was. I don't know. Was it like a fucking dinghy? Basically. 47 feet long. Yeah. (laughs) How anybody survived the 1820s, I'll never understand. Like, I don't understand how we survived as a human race. I really do not. And this guy, I think he, um, he died at the age of 77. 
So he had a um, very robust life mm-hmm. as a um, naval captain hanging out. So he died in the 1870s. Okay. In his tiny boat. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like, humanity is awful. I'd stay in the tiny boat, too. But anyway, yeah, so that was my number one favorite fact. And then mm-hmm. my number two favorite fact is, is that uh, the Apollo Theater opened on my birthday in oh. 1920. In 1920? Yeah. Nice. So I think that's really awesome. I can get by. That's more exciting to me. Then the seal hunter? I don't know. I really romanticize like early Antarctic explorers with their furs and freezing to death after three days. And well, I, I mean, part <laughs> of the seal hunting is they a lot of the fur coats back in that day were up until like the 1930s were made of seal fur. Oh, that sounds so warm. Um, I've seen some, they're like they they look like uh. There's just like the fur is really dense and it sticks straight out and it almost acts like a velvet. So you can push mm-hmm. it one way and it looks one it's flat, like flat color, and then you push it another way and it's this shiny color. Yeah. Um, and apparently they uh, the the fat was used for uh, oil and the they uh, the the explorers actually ate them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. not much to go on down there. Nah. <laughs> In the no. middle of like an ice flow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Apollo Theater. And then my third favorite fact was, was that Minecraft was released on my birthday in 2011. I don't know what that means other than that. I've never played it. I don't understand it. Minecraft is fun and adorable. And mm-hmm. it's just... People online mining. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But it's yeah. kind of cool because they made a banned <laughs> library in there um, full of, uh, like, books and, like, academic papers and stuff like that that is restricted in a lot of co- – in certain countries. Mm-hmm. And so um, researchers in those countries can get onto Minecraft and Oh, visit I like that. I love yeah. the subversion. That's great. Now I fully support it. It's totally cool. Yeah. Anyway, I find Minecraft to be very wholesome. And then just to round it out with a bit of crime, my least favorite thing to happen on my birthday was the Jonestown Massacre, which we've yes, covered. Yes, which we've covered. Before. We have covered that. We did make a note of that. Yep. That's really... And that's also the like the most famous thing that has happened on my birthday. So usually when I pull up the you know my date, that's what pops up. And I'm just like, no, I'm throwing this out. I want to hear about the Apollo Theater. I want to hear about seals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never looked at that. Maybe um, next June I'll look at that. But um, mm-hmm. all I know is I share a birthday with Salman Rushdie. That's all I know. Oh, and Judy Garland. Oh, I know who Judy Garland is. Salman Rushdie wrote. Um, he's a very famous writer. Uh, his, his writing is he's actually very very good he wrote um a book called the satanic verses it's a piece of fiction um but uh because of the writing he was issued uh i think it was iran issued a fatwa for his death 
because they put he put Muhammad in a visual context, which you are not supposed to do. Oh, he does seem cool. Yeah, his writings are really, really good. I have to check him out. That is Salman Rushdie. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And he was married to uh, Padma, or engaged to Padma Lakshmi from Top Chef. Oh, for like a hot that. second, yeah. Um, no, his writing is really, really good. I highly recommend it. I have, I think, I have almost all of his books. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, wraps up our show. Thank you for joining us, and we'll have our super special Thanksgiving spectacular next week. Yep. Okay, guys. Bye. Later days. <coughs> This shit that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold This one for them hood girls Them good girls Straight masterpieces Silent, violent Living it up in the city Got Chuck's on with Saint Laurent Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty I'm too hot